All right, I invite you to come in and find a seat. We're ready to begin. Welcome back again. Glad to see you all here this morning. My name is Alan Dice. I'm one of the pastors here at Newport Church. We are so glad you are here this morning. We have a special guest speaker from um, many thousands of miles away here to, uh, to preach the word uh, uh, with us this morning. His name is Nick Wilson. Uh, Nick and Liz are here from Scotland, all the way from uh, Peterhead, Scotland. We'd like to welcome them this morning. Uh, Nick, if you'd like to come... Uh, Nick and Liz, if you maybe don't remember, we sent uh, five people from our church to Scotland back in February, and they are there for six months in mission internship there in uh, Nick and Liz's church. So we are so glad uh, to be able to uh, have someone come back. I, I told Nick sort of jokingly that I think it's a plot that uh, uh, Scotland has, a, has plans to get, uh, you know, all of Newport Church over there piece by piece by piece, you know. So it's like... So, uh, I think he's gonna he's gonna give uh, greetings to our team uh, of five over there who are who are there now. Uh, I think are going to be watching uh, watching live stream, so you can go turn the live stream on if you want. And um, I think he's going to be giving uh, giving greetings to uh, to them as well. So let's pray for this morning. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you for your presence here. Thank you, Lord, that you are moving and working. Thank you for each person and and Lord for. Um, uh, the stage of life that each person is in here this morning. And Lord, I pray, uh, Holy Spirit, would we say, come, fill this place, Holy Spirit, and, and touch each person. Speak to each person in, in their own language, in their own tongue. Help each of us to receive and help each of us to respond and obey to the Word of God this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Is that okay? Can you hear me okay? I hope you can understand the language. My... Dulcet tones are slightly different from you guys' dulcet tones. So, I hope you can manage that. What I want you to do first before I... No, I'll say thank you first. Thank you first for allowing me to share here this morning. And thank you for sending your youngsters to us. We are being blessed by them. They are such a blessing to us. So, I promised them this morning, I would say, Hello, Team Scotland, this morning. <laughs> I know they are going to be watching this today. They were ministering in our own church this morning and taking the service. I've already heard good reports, guys. So that's great. That's great. I want to say thank you especially, too, for Alan and Julie, who have been very gracious to us. And this morning, poor Alan got the scare of his life. I had to iron these jeans. And it's the only pair I've got because all my clothes are still in my baggage, which is lost somewhere in transit. So this morning, it was either stand in my underpants and I on these jeans or put my kilt on, which was the only thing I carried with me. So I was standing with a kilt on this morning, ironing a pair of jeans. <clears throat> and I said to Alan, I bet you this is not what you quite expected to see this morning. <laughs> to which he very graciously said, yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Turn to the person next to you and say to them, you're so much better looking than the person who was sitting next to me last week. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
You know, every time I go to minister somewhere, I always make 100% of the people happy. The first 50% are happy when I come, and the other 50% are happy when I go. <laughs> so God is good. God is good. Your youngsters are doing a great job in Peterhead. They're working with us. They're full of enthusiasm. They're, they're full of energy, and they're just doing everything. They're busy on a Monday night, a Tuesday night, a Thursday night, and a Friday night. We give them Wednesday off. And then, and then we get them to practice the whole weekend for services on Sunday. So we're working them hard. They're such a blessing to us. Thank you, Newport, for sending them. Let me share the word with you this morning. Out of uh, Joshua chapter 3. This is what God put in my heart. And uh, you'll have to excuse me this morning. I had to kind of put all this back together again because my sermon is still in my baggage as well. Thank you. Now, if I'd been at home and said that, they would all have said, Amen. <laughs> so, hallelujah. Let's read Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people, When you see the ark of the Lord your God, and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. This is what I want to bring out of here. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. God said to my heart about pioneering. And I said, is this what you want me to say? He said, yes. Sometimes I'm a bit slow to listen to God, and sometimes he's got to just encourage me a little to listen. So, I want to share this this morning about pioneering, walking a new path, walking somewhere where you've never been before. And the thing here is, it's the easiest thing in the world to walk a familiar path. Because you know where all the boulders are. You know where the low-hanging branches are. You know where the big boulder on the right is and the small boulder on the left. And this thing you could trip over. You know all those things. And it's easy to walk in the familiar. Let me say something. The desire for security is always a roadblock to vision. The desire for security in your life will always be a roadblock to vision because vision requires risk. You see? Whereas security wants home comfort. Security wants to stay in your own zone. Security doesn't want to step into something that you haven't been in before because it's risky. I'll be exposed when I'm stepping into this. People will see me from who I really am and I'm not too sure about that. So, let me say something else. To go on a path that you haven't been on before, you have to forge that path. You have to make it. And sometimes it's a bit like, you know, you maybe don't remember this but because I'm older, I can remember all these things. The Chindits during the war used to go through the jungle and cut all the bushes and they used to create a path as they went. They were fighting the Japanese at the time. And sometimes we have to forge a path. Sometimes we have to get the machete in our hands and cut down what's in front of us to get the next step. Okay? Let me say this. 
you can know something in your spirit even before it comes to pass. You can carry the knowledge of something long before it becomes a reality. And that may lead some people to misunderstand you because it's a God-birthed knowledge of future and what will be and a, a, a sort of radar picture of what's ahead, though you can't see it yet. It's like fog in front of you, but radar looks through the fog and sees what's ahead. And when God builds something in you, that's what your spirit does. It looks ahead, and it starts to see something that you can't see in reality at the moment. But it's there. It's there. So let me ask you a question this morning. What has God birthed in your spirit? What has God birthed in your spirit? What God-given dream has been sown into your heart? A lot of silence. A lot of silence. So let me give you this first thing here. I'll read another couple of verses. Verses 14 and 16. Let me get to those first before I say this. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is in full flood all during harvest, yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan. When the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. God told them to do two things. He said, carry the Ark of the Covenant ahead of you. And when you start to carry the Ark, what you're really doing is you're carrying the presence of God. And when you want to take new steps, you have to begin to carry the presence of God with you in the faith steps you're going to take. It's presence that makes the difference. And here's the thing. Here's a truth here. From the moment the priests put their foot into the Jordan River, Jericho's fate was sealed. I want you to think about that. Whenever you begin to take a faith step, the obstacles that are stopping you possessing the promise that God has given you, their fate their fate is sealed in that moment. It's a faith thing. It's a faith step. So let me ask you about faith steps that maybe you've got to make. What did Jesus' mother say to the servants when he made the water into wine? He says, whatever he tells you to do, just go and do it. So they went and they filled the jars with water. Then the miracle happened. So what jars do we need to fill with water? What do we need to put in place before the miracle will come in the situation that we're in? You can't have a new baby in a home. Whenever a new baby's coming, the whole house is upside down. Because the first thing that happens is you get a certain room Set off, you start to paint it, you start to decorate it, you start to put children's things in it, you put a cot in it. You do all these things in preparation for what's going to come. Because there's an expectation of what's coming. 
And sometimes we have to fill the jars with water in the expectation of what is to come. So what faith step this morning do you need to take to see your Jericho obstacle removed? I know I'm speaking to someone's heart this morning, otherwise God would not have given me this. Faith steps. A new path requires faith steps. Let me come to the second thing that I want to say this morning. Let's go over to Joshua 5, verses 13 to 15. I'll look it up in this. It used to be you said, open your Bible. Now you say, power up your iPad or open your phone, something like that. I'm hoping they'll make an app that has the sound of turning pages. So when folk are looking it up, I think everybody's looking up their Bibles. They hear all those page goes. But in Joshua 5, verses 13 to 15. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Now, Joshua should have expected the answer, I'm for you. That's not the answer he got. Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing. Is holy. And Joshua did so. Your new path will require acts of submission that you haven't done before. When Joshua met the commander of the Lord's army, and here's the thing, the commander of the Lord's army couldn't have been there without the army of God already being there. Why send the commander if the army wasn't there? And I don't know about you, but if I had been Joshua, I would have been disappointed with the answer when he said, neither. I'd have said, oh. But he says, as commander of the Lord's army, I've come. He's there because of the purpose of God. He's there because of the destiny that God has planned for the people of Israel. Let me say something. You are never the forward guard. You are never the spies that go in and God always goes before you. You're never the advance guard. Whenever God says, I want you to do this and I want you to go there and say this, then God always goes before you. He is always the advance guard. He's already on the scene before you get to the battleground. Understand that about your situation today. What happened to Elisha's servant? He was panicked when he saw all this army coming. And Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes. And then he saw the hosts of heaven all around in all the hills and the chariots of fire around Elisha. And there are times we need our eyes opened to see that heaven is with us. We're not alone in this battle. Never were alone in this battle. But Joshua had to position himself to hear what God had to say. 
And here's the thing. He said, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals, for the ground where you're standing is holy. Is there something in us this morning? Our sandals need to come off to hear what God has to say to us. God wants to speak strategy into our lives for what's coming tomorrow. But you have to get your sandals off today to hear what God has to say and speak into your soul. He positioned himself. He's not the only person who positioned himself. When Jesus went to Calvary, he positioned himself in Gethsemane and said, not my will, Father, but your will be done. The victory for Calvary was won in Gethsemane, not on Calvary's tree. It was delivered on Calvary's tree, but the victory was won in Gethsemane. In that moment when he said, not my will, but yours. And it's in that moment when we get our sandals off and we say to Almighty God, what is it that you want to say to me? I don't know what sandals you need to take off this morning. I know from my own life, I can speak out of that. But I don't know about your life. So, there are acts where we have to position ourselves to hear what God says. And the thing about Jesus was the position that he adopted in Gethsemane with his heart enabled the position of his arms at Calvary. So the delivery came out of the heart's position in Gethsemane. So the new path requires faith steps. The new path requires acts of submission. And God always gives his vision to take those steps. Let me say something about this. I want you to picture what was happening when Joshua got the strategy for Jericho. If you were in Israel's army and you were all walking around the wall, I'm quite sure the first time was fine. Once you did it two times or three times, it was okay. Once you got up to the fourth or the fifth time, I wonder if they were saying to one another, does the leadership really know what it's doing? (laughs) This is the fifth time we've been round here. And the other guy said, I hear we've got to get around another twice. What? That's nothing. Wait till the seventh day, we've got to get around seven times. There's a danger in the middle of when God gives you a strategy and an action that you want to step back. Because the gap between receiving the word and seeing the reality, that faith gap. It's where hell comes in and sows into our life doubts and says, is this really from God? If this was really from God, would it be happening like this? If this was God, why are you suffering so much? Now, I want to bring another perspective here. I believe heaven's army was already on the scene. And I think this unseen army was on top of the walls. And they're looking down at this lot walking around. And one angel saying to another one, what are we waiting on? We're waiting on them giving a shout. A shout? What are we going to do when they shout? 
He says, we're going to do this. He says, that's what we're going to do. Come on. Heaven's army was already on the walls. Heaven's army was ready to deliver them. That would bring it down. But they couldn't do it until the people of God raised a shout. Now I'm speaking to someone's heart here this morning. In the middle of your trial, in the middle of your difficulty, God says, I want you to raise a hallelujah in the middle of your difficulty. Because it's in that raising of that hallelujah that you release heaven's provision into your situation. That's what's happening. So let me say a couple of things about a God-given vision. The new path requires the vision. But a God-given vision will always face opposition. It will always face opposition. When God gave Joseph a vision of what was going to be, he wasn't very wise when he told his brothers. Not the best thing to do, to say to them, you're all going to be bound down to me. That's a great word to receive, isn't it? Needless to say, they had a wonderfully spiritual reaction. (laughs) Said, who does this nutter think he is? This wee usurper, this wee whippersnapper in our midst. Let me say this about opposition. I believe hell is jealous when God favors you and gives you a vision. Because they haven't got that. They don't know why God should favor you. Because they're not favored. They were kicked out. You know, when we think of jealousy as a fleshly thing, a wrong thing, and yet it says about Almighty God that He is so jealous over us, there's a holy jealousy in the heart of God that's righteous. And it longs to see you walking and running and being with Almighty God and honoring Him in everything you're doing. So jealousy is not sinful. Not if it's the kind of jealousy that God has. A holy jealousy coming out of a heart of love. And He pours that on you. That God will always protect His purpose in the weight gap. God will always protect his purpose. Let me rush on through this. Joseph's brothers intervened. First they were going to kill him. Then one of them said, no, let's not kill him. Let's just chuck him in a pit. Then the other brother said, well, let's not leave him in a pit. Let's take him out of the pit and we'll sell him as a slave. And then Potiphar comes along and he buys him. When everything seems against you and you're in the pit, understand this, it's possible to die in the pit. But if your vision's real and from God, in the middle of your pit experience, God will sovereignly intervene. And it's where sovereignty meets humanity, like this. And God promotes his purpose in the middle of it through Potiphar. Did you know that you can be betrayed 
and still have the purpose of God being promoted through that betrayal. Jesus could have gone to Calvary without John and without Peter, but he couldn't go to Calvary without Judas. And that betrayal ushered in the sovereign purpose of Almighty God. So sometimes when you get betrayed in your life, don't see it as something entirely negative. Take a right meaning out of what's happening in your heart and for the purpose of God. Sovereignty meets humanity to accomplish purpose in your life. Let me say something about your weight experience. It's possible to die in the pit because you lose sight of the vision and you lose sight of the call of God. And when you're in the pit, you're at your most vulnerable to the suggestions from the enemy who comes along and says, how can God be in this? This wouldn't be happening if God was in it. Does God not know what he's doing? Why are you coming through this? And I've been there. When I was young, I went into a missionary training college. I would be 21, 22. And I really struggled because of the change of environment, studying all day, every day, doing homiletics and theology and New Testament survey and all these kind of things. I was so used to moving around and being free, suddenly found myself as if I was in a box. And I had to appear to be right, as everybody was watching your life, you know. I sat down at the table next to the principal one day, and they put some rice down, some, which I'm not very keen on. And I said, no thanks, I, I won't have the rice. And the principal said, don't you like rice? And I said, no, I, I don't really like it. He says, well, you know, the scripture says, eat whatsoever things are set before you. What happens if God calls you to China? I never sat next to the principal again. <laughs> Any day they had rice, I sat somewhere else. <laughs> and when I was lying in bed at night and struggling, I heard people walking past in the street at night, laughing and carrying and having a, having a joke and some fun. And this is what the enemy said to me. What are you doing in here? And I listened to that. And because I listened to that lie, I got deceived and I came out. And that's the power the enemy has to feed lies into your soul and to tell you this is not God when it is God. Don't die in the pit. Let me say the last thing that I want to say here today. A God-given vision will have a cost to see it fulfilled. For Joseph, it was the betrayal of his brothers. For Jesus, it was the betrayal of Judas. False accusations from Potiphar's wife for Joseph. And then abandonment, even when he was in prison and he helped the other prisoner, said, remember me to the king when you go there. The guy just completely ignored him and abandoned him. Even sometimes when we are blessing people, we can still be abandoned. Isn't that strange? You can be giving life out and yet be abandoned. But this is what Joseph said about it in Genesis 50 verse 20. He said, you intended it for harm, but God intended it for good. 
He took the right meaning out of what was happening in his situation. And when Paul was in prison in Rome, he said, I want you to understand, brothers, this has actually happened to advance the gospel. He wasn't sitting down and having a pity party. He wasn't saying, poor me, oh, I'm paying an awful price to advance the gospel here. He says, this has happened to advance the gospel. And in 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 17, Paul says this, at my first defense, no one stood by me. Everyone deserted me. Let me say there will be times because of the call of God, you will be isolated. There will be times because of the call of God in your life, it will cost you friendships. It will cost you favor with others. It will cost you inconvenience big time because it's the call of God in your life and you have to pay the price for the vision so if you say if you see here this morning you say I haven't really got a vision Lord I would really like a vision that's great I'm delighted about that but bear in mind there is a cost to the vision to see it fulfilled let me give you one last thing. There's a difference between destiny and meaning. God determines destiny in our lives. Your life is in his book of life. Tomorrow is already written down. It's just waiting on you arriving. Psalm says, before I was formed in my mother's womb, you knew me, you set me apart. He said, every day ordained for me was written in your book of life. So tomorrow's already written. It's just waiting on us getting there. So don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. God determines destiny, but it is us who determine meaning. This is what I want to say about this. The meaning we take from whatever situation we are coming through or from an event that's happened will determine the next step we take. So whatever meaning you take out of a situation will determine the next step you take. Now, if you take a faulty meaning or a flawed meaning from the situation, the next step you take will probably take you away from the destiny of God. Does that make sense to you this morning? When I was in WEC, the meaning I took out of what the devil was suggesting to me was I was just a pawn in God's sovereign game of chess. I stopped seeing him as being a loving father and that what was coming through, he was doing something in me. He couldn't do any other way. I took the wrong faulty meaning from that and then took the wrong step out of the destiny and purpose of God. I hope I'm speaking to your heart this morning. It's so important we understand that we determine the meaning, although Almighty God has determined our destiny. So if you take a flawed or a faulty meaning, you quite possibly will take a wrong step. So let me ask you this question. What meaning are you taking out from what's currently happening in your own life? What meaning are you taking out of that? 
Is it a right meaning, a God meaning? As Paul says, this actually happened to advance the gospel. Or as Joseph said, God intended this for good. Or is the meaning you're taking out of it? I'm in the pit here. Somebody give me a ladder, get me out of here. Understand this, our mind is the placenta that feeds the spirit man. So what we feed our mind with, what we feed our mind on, feeds into our spirit man and affects us. That's why the struggle and the battle is often for the control of our thinking. Paul says, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's so important because it's here where the battle goes on. And whatever's happening here, that like a placenta feeds a baby, that placenta of our mind feeds our spirit man. So, if we allow wrong thinking in our mind to come to full distance, it will bear a spirit man that's malformed or immature or wounded or not able to step up. We have to feed our mind with the right thing, with the word of God. Is that making sense to you this morning? So, let me leave you with questions. This is what I always do at home. That's why the folk are glad when I'm finished, that 50% especially. (laughs) What faith step do we need to take today in order to see our Jericho demolished? Let me ask you that this morning. God's calling you to pioneer and walk in a new path you've not been on before. Are there some water jars we need to fill? Do we need to put some things in place so the miraculous can come and heaven's provision gets released? What water jars do we need to put in place this morning? What do we need to go and fill up? Or what fresh act of submission or positioning of our heart do we need in order to hear strategy? Let me ask you, are you ready to give a shout of hallelujah in the middle of your difficulty? You know, it's the hardest thing to do. When you're really struggling, the last thing you want to do is raise a hallelujah. It's easier to have a good moan than it is to raise a hallelujah. And we're actually very good in the UK, even in Scotland, about moaning about the weather. And that can spill over into your spiritual life so easily, just like that. just like that are we ready to shout that hallelujah because that hallelujah shifts the battle there's the thing it shifts the battle in the middle of the struggle your new path is something that only you can walk in your new path is something that only you can forge Carry his presence with you and take that step that begins your possessing the promise. They're on the roof, these angels, saying, what are we waiting on? We're waiting on Nick giving a shout. 
Have we been waiting long? Forever. <laughs> Do you think he will give a shout? I hope so. I've been hanging around here forever. <laughs> Heaven's provision is waiting on your victory shout. May the Lord bless you. Amen. Amen. Wow, thank you so much, Nick. I think the Word of God was clear to us this morning, wasn't it? Would you stand your feet with me this morning? Yeah. We're going to be here to, uh, uh, to pray with you if the Word of God, uh, God is, is drawing you to, uh, to, yeah, take a step this morning, or, or uh, God's calling you to uh, just a new, new step of, uh, uh, in, in your journey. I believe that God's calling many people here to step out and, and do here as a pioneer. So, uh, prayer ministers, if you'd like to come, take those people to come pray. We'd like to be here to pray. And, and also, maybe it's just God moving in your heart. To there is a light maybe just deal with the order and crowd of God. Spend some time in, in prayer and, and uh, worship. There is a hope uh, with so, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the word of God this morning. Thank you for Nick uh, being faithful to, uh, to preach the word of God to us this morning. And thank you, Lord, that you give each of us next steps, new steps in, in the journey and the walk with you. And Lord, I pray that, that many people would take bold new steps here this morning. Uh, they would fill those jars. They would, they would give that shout this morning in the name of Jesus. And Lord, they would, they would uh, take new steps of faith uh, in what, what God is calling them to. Lord, I pray for those who don't even have fresh vision yet. And Lord, would you... Would you begin today pouring out fresh new vision to those who lack it in the name of Jesus. Pour it out here this morning in Jesus' name. Lord, we, we pray for those who haven't yet chosen to, to, uh, to follow Jesus. And, and Lord, we, we uh, do give that invitation here this morning. If you uh, have never chosen to, to uh, uh, become a follower of Jesus, make Jesus your Lord and, sa Lord and Savior of your life. We invite you to come and have someone pray with you this morning to know what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to do that for the first time. Uh, Lord, we pray that, that anyone would not leave this building without knowing that they are a follower of Jesus, that they, they've um, uh, decided to, to follow Jesus for the first time. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this uh, congregation this morning, our guests here this morning. Lord, I pray that you would move and work in our lives, and, Lord, that we would be followers of yours, that we would respond to the word, Lord, that we would put it into practice, into action, that we would obey. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Come forward for prayer. We'd love to pray with you this morning. We'd love to uh, spend time with you. Come forward if you'd like to just kneel at the altar and, and